My name's Corey Kirkwood. This is my wife, Megan. And this is... You want to tell them what your name is? <laughs> this is this is Caitlin. And she's three. And this is our littlest, newest addition. She's two and a half months. Her name is Ella. And we're new missionaries with Mission Aviation Fellowship. And we'll be serving in Indonesia. So we're really excited about that. Um, we're eager to just to use the gifts that God has given us to just to serve the people of Indonesia and to uh, and just to bring the good news and the gospel to them. So in January 2004 God had just really been putting it heavy on our hearts to just to be doing something different and, and we had this opportunity later on in the year to be a part of the Ohio uh, church plant um, that Cornerstone started and so uh, though we had already we'd already been missional in our mindset, and God had already implanted that in us early on in our faith, and and so uh, though we had been maybe thinking globally uh, at that time, God really wanted us to just to grow and learn uh, more as we were um, being a part of this church plant. So we moved, and we moved there, and we just just poured into our neighbors and and just loved them, and we really just. We moved there for the purpose of bringing the gospel to these people. And a couple years later, uh, I had a friend really just challenge me just to just to use my skills uh, that God has given me uh, for the purpose of advancing His kingdom. And and so I was an autom automotive mechanic at the time, and and he was suggesting that maybe I change fields, going from automotive mechanics to aviation. And the reason why is because the airplane is an essential tool to bring in the gospel to isolated parts of the world and, and there's a huge need for, for families to move uh, into these places to maintain these airplanes. 1 Corinthians 10, 31, to whether you eat or drink or whatever you do, whether it be working on cars or teaching or whether you're a businessman or a doctor, whatever you do, do it all for the glory of God. And Indonesia has a huge need. They are uh, they're predominantly Muslim. They're the fourth most populated country in the world. Um, 238 million people. 213 million of them are Muslim, which is you know more than the majority of the Middle East combined. And I was just feeling a burden in my heart of like, you know why why wouldn't I do that then? Like why wouldn't I be a part of that when I have this opportunity that fits my skills, my gifts, and everything? Why would I not go? And, so, and I was. I was. I actually called Megan, and I was so burdened. And I called her, and I said, "We really need to consider this uh, just more seriously, I think, than we have." And, um, and while the Lord was working in Corey's heart, the Lord was uh, speaking to me through His Word in my quiet times. Uh, there was a verse in John 15, verse 12, that says. Jesus is telling his disciples, this is my commandment to you, that you love one another just as I have loved you. And as I was just praying through that and, and thinking through that, it was just amazing for me to think that God was in heaven in all his glory and majesty and being worshipped, but yet Jesus chose to come down and leave that for the purpose of pursuing us, for his for his glory and for his kingdom and when I look at that verse and I see that he wants me to love others just as he did I look at that and I think if I'm to do that I ought to be willing to leave the comforts of my home and uh, 
just my familiar surroundings and take my family and go and pursue others for the sake of His glory. And so my ministry there will look the same as it does here. I am going to be pouring into the women and just loving on them and allowing our families to interact, letting our children play together, go grocery shopping with them. So I'm taking it here and just putting it in Indonesia and just loving on the women there. It's kind of like, you know, we just, we just need to live our lives in a way that demands an explanation. And, you know, the way we interact with each other, the way we interact with our kids, and the way that we interact with the people at the marketplace and everything, um, it's going gonna, it's gonna to spawn questions from these people. Because these people are very spiritually minded. Uh, they're thinking spiritual things all the time. In fact, that's one of the things that they live in fear of is just... Uh, just spirits and animistic beliefs, and and so we are, uh, we're just going to go. We're going to we're going to live our life in in such a way that that will cause them to just to want that and and just just give them the hope of Christ in that. Uh, and beings that um, beings that it is predominantly Muslim, and beings it's. It's a mixture of, of, of Muslim and, and animistic thinking and, and belief systems. Uh, this is Satan's stomping ground. Like he, he owns this place. This place is, is wrapped around his, his hand. And so um, we know that as we go into this, this is not going to be easy. This is going to be very difficult. And, um, and, and at the same time, we also know that, that God is greater and that God is, can do immeasurably more than all that we ask or imagine. And... And so we would just ask that, you know, that people would join us in praying and seeking God and, and begging Him to work in the hearts of the people of Indonesia and seeking God and begging Him to just to work in our ministry. And, and we know that, that an area that Satan wants to, wants to destroy is our marriage. And it's going to be difficult to just to live in a place that's unfamiliar. We know that there's going to be struggles and trials that come with that. And so uh, we just really long for people to pray and, and just to to beg God on our behalf. In addition to that, there's um, there's clearly a financial need as well and you know unfortunately missions isn't free as much as we want it to be sometimes but but at the same time it would be so it's so good that we can invite people just to join us um, and, and providing for our ongoing needs as well as just moving our needs to move us out there. And it's eternally rewarding for all of us, even though we get to go and be the hands and feet. Um, God designed it in a way so that all members of His body can be a part of this and all people can reap blessing and, and reap eternal rewards. All right, I'm going to have uh, Corey and Megan. Are you guys? Oh, yeah, you're in here. Okay, if you guys come on up. It's Corey and Megan. This is huge. I mean, I know we do this a lot. You know, we bring families up. I'm like, yeah, they're going to move here. They're going to move again. But don't ever forget the craziness of this. Uh, picking your family up and moving to a place like Indonesia and just being dropped off in this place and not knowing anyone and just saying, you know, I'm going to serve the Lord there. Don't pray and think, okay, another missionary couple, let me throw up a prayer. No, these are real people and everything else. And it's a, it's a crazy position. I mean, he's going to be working on airplanes. Um, and as a mechanic, I mean, you screw this up and you kill missionaries. Yeah, so, so you, you know, it's, it's like a big, big deal. So, uh, so we definitely, they definitely need their, our prayers. Um, <laughs> 
<laughs> I just thought of that while I was watching that. I thought, wow, that'd be awful to be the guy that screwed it up. Okay. Um, but uh, I, I like every service to be different, so I might just surprise you. Um, but during the break, too, see, I, I didn't really think about a lot of things I didn't think about. I didn't think about that, that whole thing. And then I didn't think about uh, um, where you guys are going, Indonesia, and... Um, some of the potential dangers or whatever. I didn't really think that through until you were talking to me out there about the training. Now, you guys are going to go through what they call hostage training. Who wants to talk about that? <laughs> you know, it, it sounds intimidating, and my wife is very intimidating, but I'm kind of excited for it, you know? <laughs> it, it, it is crazy, but, you know, it, it's pretty intense, too. I mean, they... You know, they, it's, it's the real thing. They, they put bags over your head and really try to intimidate you to see where your breaking point is. And so, uh, and because that, that's a real a possibility um, in these types of environments, um, they just want us to be prepared for that. So, Yeah, he was explained to me out there, and I think the, just the, uh, the, the whole mission just kind of became real to me about where they were going. And as he said, the training, they said, yeah, then they're going to, you know, put a bag over Megan's head and put her in another room and, you know, yell at her and have me watch on video and just, just to learn how am I going to react um, if there is this type of situation. And, and yet at the same time willing to do this and saying, you know what, I think this is what the Lord wants for a family. So I, I just thought, man, we really, let, let's pray for this family as they head out. So if some of the pastors can come up and lay hands on them and, or, or if you just know Corey and Megan and, uh, they, they've been here for years and, um, would like to pray for them. He, he mentioned it on the video, but, uh, like Megan used to work at the church. She was in the front office. I don't know if you remember years ago, happy girl in the front. That was her. And then, uh, and then Corey. And then they went off with Tony Hall, who used to be our worship leader and went off to, uh, Ohio and, uh, helped with that church plant out there and heard great things about their ministry there. And, uh, and now they're heading off to Indonesia. Actually, uh, I know they're real involved with the East Side community. So Steve, why don't you pray for them, if you don't mind? Let's go ahead and pray. Father God, gosh, we're humbled. We're humbled to watch a video. We're humbled to think about what the Kirkwoods are going to do. And, and Father, how they're planning to live their lives out, we're humbled. And, Father, we ask for your power. We ask for your strength. We ask for your, your wisdom and your guidance for this family. Father, you know I love this family a lot. They've been family to me. Uh, Father, I cherish our relationship that we have together. And, Father, in that humbleness, I have to say I'm also excited. I'm totally excited to see what you can do. All throughout your word, you use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And God, I just want to share stories when they come back. I want to hear of the amazing things that you do through this family, how you reach people that wouldn't have been reached, how you reach people, Father, that never knew they were going to be reached. I just want to hear stories of how you work through this family. So we pray for strength. We pray that you keep this marriage strong. That, God, that you are sovereign and we know that your power is sufficient, that they always rely on you, that they seek you first and foremost in every decision that they make. And, Father, that their faith grows. As they go out in the field, that, Father, they rely on you more and more and they love you more and more. We thank you for this family and we praise you for the work they're going to do. In Jesus' name, amen. Yeah, totally. You know, uh, I'll just talk about you as you leave. Um, when Corey was here, he worked for Hummer. He was a, he was a mechanic for Hummer. And then, uh, and then when he heard about, uh, he and Megan heard about what we're doing 
in uh, Ohio, and, uh, and they saw that Tony Hall was going to be going, so obviously he'd need a lot of help. Um, they decided to go with Tony and uh, was, a, was a Hummer mechanic out there in Ohio. And here's the thing that I love about uh, Corey and Megan and what they've done with Tony. It's just, just the whole reputation. Um, like as long as I've known you guys, the reputation has been uh, you guys as givers and being generous with other people. And that was true here. It's true with our church plan in Ohio, just their ministry out there. And Tony has said just wonderful things about their support. In fact, when they decide to head off to Mission Aviation Fellowship, that was just a huge, huge loss in his mind. It's like, man, Corey is like one guy I could really always depend on everything else and giving generously too. And uh, then when God calls him to this other place, it's... Uh, okay, now I'm going to be asking other people to help me, you know, and support me. And I know that's got to be a weird transition, you know, being a giver your whole life and now going, uh, actually, now I need to be supported because I believe this is where God wants me. But that's just the way the body of Christ works. There's going to be times when you're able to be a giver and other times when you're in need and we just help each other out, work it all out. But it's all for the sake of the same thing. It's all for the kingdom. And the other thing that I, I've appreciated, and I know that some of you guys are looking at their lives just think that's just so weird to you you what they're doing um the, the thing i've appreciated about you guys is when you're here doing your deal you you just they were content you know whatever the lord wanted them to do and i remember visiting them out in their house in uh ohio and i don't know if you guys have been to ohio yeah it's no point yeah just just, just i mean it's not like oh you got to go see it <laughs> it's like no you don't <laughs> um it's it's just it's it's ohio and uh but seeing their contentment there i, I remember because i remember being in your house and it had rained for like five or six weeks straight or something like that which i i mean i get bugged when it's like three days straight you know what i mean isn't it horrible like, like one year we had three days of rain anyways uh but it had been weeks, and they came from Southern California. I just remember Megan just like, oh, it's okay. I like the rain. And I'm like, wow, that's so... But it's this contentment of wherever, and and then now going to Indonesia and going to this place and taking your family. And, and what I appreciate about the Kirkwoods is they're, they're the same. They're the same in Simi Valley, Ohio, and I believe they'll be the same in Indonesia because it's not about location. And it's not about circumstance. It's about when you really get it, when you really understand who Jesus is, you're content wherever you are. You, you really are. And, and I, don't, I don't know if you remember, I gave a message about a year ago, and I talked about trust. And I talked about how I'm, an, I'm a very skeptical person. That's just who I am. Like, I don't trust 90% of you easily. I, I just don't. I mean... Why should I trust you? I don't know you. I don't know anything about your life. You know, it's probably like 99% of you. I, I, I mean, and hopefully you're in some ways the same way. I mean, just Jesus wasn't quick to trust. Um, people are liars. People say one thing and live a different way. And as a pastor, you see that all the time. So who do I really trust? And go, oh, this person's for real. Um, and I, I, you know, my wife and I were talking last night and and, you know, I was watching your video online and just going, you know, the cool thing about Corey and Megan is I can say that I trust you guys and that I believe you're the real thing. And uh, the conversations I've had with you and the things that you've said, um, you don't make up, you don't read from a book and then regurgitate. I saw it was from your prayer life and your genuine faith in God, even things you say in passing where I go, okay, you know, I trust them. 
And so it's just nice for me to say that about someone and go, you know what, Song? You know, we're gonna, we support you. We're going to keep supporting you personally. And just, uh, and I get excited about other people that will, uh, will support them because it really is uh, just a couple that loves the Lord and are the real thing. And, uh, and I think most of you know that's, that's harder and harder to find nowadays. And uh, it's so what Paul is talking about in, in Philippians. Um, I, I love what you said in the video where you said uh, <laughs> something. And uh, you, you said, uh, I'm trying to think the exact words, but basically, oh, oh, we need to live lives that demand an explanation. We need to live lives that demand an explanation. That caught me last night when I was watching. I'm like, wow, that's a good line. Did you make that up right there? Okay, you took it from someone. Okay. <laughs> yeah, you're just a mechanic. What, what you? But uh, it, it's, it's uh, a... Um, we need to live life. Who, who said that? Do you know? Jeff Vanderstelt? Really? Oh, yeah. Oh, here. Oh, he said it. I wasn't listening to him. See? I, I, I don't trust him. I trust you. Uh, it, it's... it's uh, we need to live lives that demand an explanation. And uh, I thought, wow, that's so true. Like, you need to live a life where people go, okay, that doesn't make sense to me. Explain that to me. Why would you live this way? That doesn't make any sense. And, 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 and when you read the, the, the book of Philippians, which we, we've been in for a while, and then I kind of took a, look, a little break the last couple months from, but I want to wrap it up today. The book of Philippians, when you look at Paul... His life doesn't make any sense because think about it. The book of Philippians doesn't make any sense because Paul is chained to as a prisoner in jail and he's writing this letter and this letter is about joy. This letter is about contentment. Now, if you are in a prison cell by yourself, separated by all your family, all your friends and everyone, and you have a letter that you can write back to the church, what are you going to write about? Telling everyone else to be happy? Telling everyone else to be content? That doesn't make any sense that Paul somehow was in absolute peace because he's going, man, it's, I, I'm, I'm okay. I'm okay. I'm in a prison cell. I'm fine. I'm over here. I'm fine. Wherever I am, I'm going to be okay. If I'm in Southern California, if I'm in Ohio, if I'm in Indonesia, if I'm, 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 I'm you know, in, in jail somewhere, it's, it's not about that. It's about Christ. See, in Philippians 4, we have this verse that I think is the most misquoted verse in the world. Um, and that's Philippians 4.13. Most of you know Philippians 4.13. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. And yes, absolutely, we can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. But have you ever noticed the context of that little verse? I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. We see it on jerseys. I remember seeing it years ago. Remember uh, 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 one of the times it was made famous was when Evander Holyfield had it on his robe as he was going to go fight Mike Tyson. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me means I'm going to beat up Mike Tyson. And, and he did, and I was very excited for him. Like, yeah, you can do all things. You know, you're the real deal. And, uh, you know, but then he wore it again for Lennox Lewis, right? I can do all things. Then he gets beat up. And, uh, you know, and different, uh, you know, quarterbacks, you know, the Philippians 413 athletes, you know, you're, you're in class, you didn't study, but you go, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I'm going to ace this test. You know, it's just, 
It's our kind of catch-all verse for I can do anything, whatever I feel like doing, God's going to give me the power to do it right there. But let's just look at this passage in context. Paul is writing, he's in jail, he's written this letter to the Philippians, and at the end, in Philippians 4, verse 10, he says, I rejoice in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low. I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. Yet it was kind of you to share my trouble. So what is the context of this verse? Think about it. Because is this so important? Because I've, I've heard people use this verse to say, hey, God wants us all to be rich, you know, and we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. And he can make you rich. It doesn't matter how poor you are. It doesn't matter if you don't have an energy. God wants you to be rich and you can do all things through Christ who strengthens you. And I think, well, that's the exact opposite of what Paul's trying to say here. The purpose of this verse is not to tell you you can be rich. The purpose of this verse is to tell you that you are rich in Christ. And so even if you don't have a penny to your name, you can be content. And Paul's saying, Paul's saying to these Philippians, man, it's great that you guys are giving me stuff and, and that's cool. He goes, but the truth is, is I don't really need it. Okay? Cause I, I've, I've had plenty. I'm fine. Here I am in a jail cell with nothing. I'm okay. He goes, there have been times I've been in severe need and you guys couldn't quite get to me, but I was okay. I was content during that time. And there's other times when I was fed and I was free or whatever else. I'm okay during that. And he goes, I've learned this secret. This is something that Paul learned through his experience. He goes, I've learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I, I, I know how to be content if I have a lot of stuff. See, sometimes we think contentment is something you learn when you don't have anything. And Paul's saying, no, sometimes you need to learn how to be content when you're making a lot of money. Um, because a lot of times it's the people who have the most that are the least content and always want more. I guarantee you there are people in this room that make over $100,000 a year and it's not enough for you right now. You're just wondering, man, how am I going to get by? And you're not content and there's all these things you want and you're not happy in life. I know millionaires that are miserable. And I know people in poverty that are happy. In fact, I've probably met more happy people that are in poverty than I've met happy rich people. Contentment, see, see, here's the, here's the bottom line, is contentment has nothing to do with your circumstances. And so if you come in this room today and you think, ah, oh, once I get this job, then I'll be okay. Or once I get in a relationship that someone I can trust, then I'll be okay. Once, you know, if I can keep my house, then I'll be happy. Okay, that's all I want. All I want is this. All I'm asking for is that my kids go to, a, you know, a, an Ivy League school. You know, all, all I want is, is private school for, for my kids. All I want is this. All I want is that. If I could only have this, you guys, if there's a, if I could only have anything, truth is, is you're not going to find contentment. Contentment is found in Jesus Christ and Him alone. And that's the context of this passage is Paul is saying, look, I could be in a prison or whatever and I've learned the secret. I can do all things through Christ. Christ is so good. And, and that doesn't make sense to a lot of people. 
go, man, how can you be content living in that condition? That, that's why I, I see some of you, man, you're in the worst relationship right now in that marriage, like, it, like what your spouse has done to you or whatever else, and, and yet you found joy even in the midst of that. And Christ is enough for you. And I go, well, that's awesome. You really get it. Um, that's when you can tell if they get it is when it's really difficult and it's like, that's eh, fine. Or when they have a ton of stuff and it really doesn't matter, they just give it up. They don't care. Christ really is everything to them. And I got to ask you the question, have you learned this secret that Paul's talking about here in Philippians 4? That no matter what the economy does, you're just like, I don't care. Like Paul tells Timothy, you know, if we got food and clothes, we'll be content with that. I get to eat today, I'm good. But how many people have you met that have that attitude? How many people have you met that have that type of contentment so that others come in and demand an explanation? Wait, this is impossible. How can you be that content? You just lost everything. You should be stressed out. You should be angry. You should be whatever. You're like, I don't know. I'm okay. I've learned the secret that Paul's talking about, that I can do all things through Christ who strengthened me. And so I don't need this to be happy. I don't need that to be happy. I'm content wherever I am. Think to yourself, have you learned that? Yet Paul says, he goes, but it was kind for you to share my trouble. And, and, and then uh, in, in verse 17, he, he's saying, he goes, it's not that I seek the gift. He's saying, you know, man, I'm so happy that you guys found me here. I'm in this, in this prison and you guys are taking care of me. He goes, and I'm glad for that. And then in verse 17, he goes, he goes, not that I, I seek like, I, oh, I want this gift from you. He goes, but I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. I've received full payment and more. I'm well supplied, having received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent me, a fragrant offering, a sacrifice acceptable and pleasing to God. And my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in glory in Christ Jesus. See, Paul says, it's just like in the church. Like, I'm not going to come up to you and go, oh, we need this money, you guys. You've got to do it because I don't know what will happen unless you guys give this money, okay? I, I've never done that. I just don't, I don't want to be that way. It's just like, you know what the truth is? Is we will always have enough as a church. We'll, we'll be fine. Every, everything will be taken care of. God's going to supply all of our needs. We just have to stay faithful as leaders or whatever else. When you guys give, I'm, I'm more excited for you. That's what Paul's saying. Paul's saying, look, I'm in jail. I, I'm fine. You know, if I don't get to eat for a few days, I don't get to eat for a few days. I figured out how to be content in that because I, I got Christ. That's good. He goes, but when you guys give, like he's saying here, I, I seek the fruit that increases to your credit. He goes, I like the way you're going to be rewarded. And not only that, but at the end of that, he says, you know what? And God's going to supply all of your needs because you're caring for all these other people or because you're caring for me while I'm in prison. He goes, I get excited about that because you're a giver. You're going to be taken care of. See, that's a principle in scripture. It's a principle in scripture in uh, Proverbs eleven twenty five. It says, whoever brings blessing will be enriched and one who waters will himself be watered. He goes, if you're going to go blessing other people, you're going to be taken care of. And in, in a proverb, I'm sorry, Psalm 37, 25, he says this, I have been young and now I'm old, yet I've never seen the righteous forsaken or his children begging for bread. He's ever lending generously and his children become a blessing. 
I love that. He goes, he goes, you know, I'm an old man now. Because I remember as a kid, I had all these ideals. But now that I'm old, let me tell you something I've never seen. The people that are living righteous lives and just giving freely, I've never seen their kids begging for bread when they're older. I've never seen their children starving. It, it's really like what the scriptures say. And that's why Paul says, you know, I love the fact that you Philippians are giving to me. He goes, not because I need anything. I'm fine. I, I, I was fine without you guys, but thanks for the gift. He goes, I'm actually happy for the reward that you're going to get for it. And not only that, I'm happy that now because you're a giver, God's going to supply your every need. That's what Jesus taught. He goes, look, if you're going to seek the kingdom first, the things of God, the things that are dear to God, you seek that first, all these other things will be given to you. And so Paul goes, I'm excited for you because this means God's going to supply your every need. That's why I get excited when people become givers. It's not because I need it. I don't take anything. I I, I don't need anything. The church will be fine. I just get excited for you because I go, okay, now God's going to take care of you. And not only that, but I I get excited about the fruit that's going to be credited to your account. Like when you get to heaven, these treasures that that moth and rust aren't going to destroy. I got excited this week, not just about Corey and and, uh, Megan's story, but I got this this letter from uh, this other kid. uh, Other kid. They're not kids. Um, This guy's 14. I'm going to change names on these stories just so... I don't know, just to keep it anonymous. So uh, my name is Tommy. Um, I am 14 and currently in the eighth grade. I live in Texas and have a quote-unquote crazy love for God. My parents recently took a trip to the Philippines. They went because they felt God calling us to surrender all and move there, but they weren't sure. Since they've come back, we've been totally sure on what God is calling us to do. Go be missionaries in Manila, Philippines. Right now, we're doing everything to sell our belongings, raise support, and fly over there. In February is when my parents went, and we feel like God wants us to be there on August 15th. I'm writing this letter because I would like your support. I'm not asking for money, although you can give money. (laughs) That's in every missionary letter. Um, I am writing this so that you can, so that we can receive your prayer. I thank you for your prayer, and may God bless you. I thought, okay, this 14-year-old kid, his parents are going, and he goes, yeah, I want to write a note to this guy that wrote this book I wrote, you know, and I just thought, oh, that's okay. And I don't know if his parents put him up to it, because they knew I wouldn't give them any money, but if their little kid writes a handwritten note, <laughs> all right. You, you know, but, uh, but I thought, oh, that's so cool. You know, this 14-year-old kid just thinks to do this on himself. Let, let me tell you uh, another, uh, I got another email. It's from a 13-year-old kid from our church, and I'll change her name. Um, she was baptized here just last month in April. I was baptized on April 26th, and I've been trying to spread the word ever since. For weeks, I've been trying to get through to two girls headed in the wrong direction. May 21st was a great day. I did it. I finally got through to them. I think Susie gets it. And some of the other girls noticed that Susie was crying and asked what was wrong. And she was like... <laughs> It's funny to see that written, you know? <laughs> she was like, and I'm all... Uh, she, she was like, Hillary, uh, I'll go Brittany. She was like, Brittany was talking to me. Five girls came to hear the talk. And after a while, they were all in tears and thanking me. I even had the mother of one of the girls thank me. There's one more person I'm working on, and I have two weeks before school is out. Pray that I get to him. To all the kids that believe, 
I've had kids curse at me, flip me off, even plug their ears and say, la, 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 while I was talking to them. Whatever. (laughs) And that's in capitals, so that means whatever. (laughs) Um, I don't care. Um, I know what I'm doing is good and good for them to hear, and I know there are more kids out there like me who love Jesus. Don't be afraid of what other people think. Do what you know is right. Hope to see you all in heaven. (laughs) That's so cool. See, I I get excited, you know. I get excited about the ministry is happening and all these people, but I get more excited for this girl. It's like, okay, you're getting it. I'm getting excited about this 14-year-old kid that's going to be moving to the Philippines with his parents because he's excited and he's actually asking for support. It's not like, oh, my stupid parents are making me go. It's just, no, they get it. Got another one this week. Seven-year-old. Okay. And this is from her mom. Um, But a seven-year-old girl in her church had had a birthday party this week and received $450. And so she told her mom, you know what, we have so much, can we just donate this money to people who are in need? And so she, she decided to buy diapers and formula for the crisis pregnancy center here in town. And then she also decided to give money toward Care and Share, which is like a food pantry here in town. And then she bought a bunch of sleeping bags uh, for Cornerstone because we have these homeless nights where we let people sleep here in the wintertime. And I thought, wow, that's pretty cool, seven years old. And her thought is, what are we going to do with another 450 bucks? Mom, can I just buy diapers, you know, for these moms with unwanted pregnancies? Can't I just give food to the homeless? Can't I just buy sleeping bags for these people? You see, everything that Paul's talking about there, because you know what, I get so excited. You know, Paul would say, I'm excited about this little girl. Not, Not because... One of you couldn't write a check and buy some sleeping bags. You know, you, you, you got it in your purse right now. Okay, I'll take care of sleep. No, I'm just excited for that little girl. I, I just really am. And, and, and I'm excited about, you know, the 13-year-old girl. I'm excited for the 14-year-old guy. I'm excited for uh, that, uh, the, Corey and, and Megan and, and going to Indo- Indonesia. I was excited last week when Kathleen was talking about talking to the palm readers. You know, it's just, there's just an excitement when people just go, you know, this is what the Spirit of God's calling me to do. I'm going to do it. I go, man, you're in for a life of excitement. That's a good life. It's a good life. And I get excited because when you live a life of giving, not only is there the eternal reward, but I go, you know what? Those people will be fine. They'll be taken care of. God's going to take care of their needs. Um, It's that that, that verse of just, I was young and now I'm old. And I've never seen people not taken care of when they're really seeking after the things of God. doesn't mean they're going to be rich, um, but they're going to be fine because they'll be content no matter what they have. Because Jesus is that huge to them. Jesus is that great to them. I I hesitate in sharing what I'm about to share. And and it kind of came to me while I was at the first service. And I thought, "Ah, I'm just going to share it. Um, And I thought, ah, that's the only service I'll share it at. And then I think, ah, you know what? I'm going to say it. uh, Because I'm going to be gone for a while anyways. Um, I, uh, if you weren't here last week and then you need to listen to, uh, it on the internet, 
But um, I'm going to be leaving for a few months and, and trying to start a ministry, kind of extend Cornerstone um, out in the valley, San Fernando Valley, L.A. County, and really move more that direction and create this whole uh, network of churches and just plant tons of churches out there, um, smaller churches over the next few months, Matt Moore and I. And uh, so I'll be gone for the summer. And uh, But I wanted to, you know, my mind's just scattered because there's so many thoughts I want to share before I leave today uh and one of those thoughts it, it goes with this thing and money and this whole idea of contentment um and knowing that this will be the last time some of you guys will hear me because who knows where you'll be in three four months um i'm willing to bet that in this room some of you are having a hard time with what Corey and megan are doing and you think that's just not wise you have two young kids you can go out there and other people some of you will look at this 14 year old kid that's writing for support and and his family leaving to the philippines you're going to just that's just not wise and why are you taking your teenage kid out there some of you would look at the 13 year old girl and go yeah you know she's just telling people about jesus on her camp that's just you know you're just preaching to people and and people don't like some of you will look at a, a seven-year-old girl and go, 450 bucks, she doesn't understand yet. And so her parents should make her keep the money. And I, and I know but, and I know this because, and this is the part that I say share, but I, I believe God wants me to, and I believe it's good for you. Uh, some of you have disagreed with me for years about finances. I've been pastoring here for 15 years. 15 years, okay? And... And I remember when I started the church, and people disagreed with me. They, they said, you know, you really should take a salary. And I go, no, you know what? God always works things out, and it'll be okay. And uh, so we didn't take a salary for a little while. And I said, you know, my wife can work. And, uh, and she, she, she's excited to do it. She's been working, and she's okay with it, and, you know, wants to support that way. And then, then we started, you know, taking a little money from the church. And you took like $1,000 a month or something. And it's like... You know, people are like, oh, you know, that's just not fair. You should take more. You should take more. I, I know we, we just do things differently, and I, I, we'll be okay. God's going to provide all of our needs. In fact, I, we, we give away most of the thousand bucks. And, you know, and then I, I start taking a, a, a full salary. You know, it was three grand a month, and my, my wife would just, you know, she didn't have to work anymore because we we're having kids and stuff like that. And, and we were fine. We were totally fine. We were giving. Everything was good. And everyone just kept going, I don't think that's wise. I really think you should save and not, uh, not uh, live off so little. But I'm like, we're really fine. We're okay. I, I like Top Ramen. I don't know. I, I Seriously, I grew up on it. I like it. You know? And, and we're happy. I go, we're a happy family. And I, I think everything's going to be taken care of in the future. And we just keep giving and giving and giving. And, and uh, we start making some money. And, and people just keep disagreeing, going, well, I don't think you should do that. I think that's giving a little bit too much. We'd never given less than 10%, you know, and we just kept wanting that number to climb every year. And we're like, let's try giving 20%. Let's try giving 25%. let us try 30 Let's try 50%. Um, this year, we're going to be giving about 90% of our income. That, that's, how, that's how much we're making now. That's crazy. I'm not even taking a salary from the church. Um, just through speaking, through the book. You realize this year, I'm, I'm going to make about half a million dollars this year. Okay. And now, now people hear that and they go, yeah, I don't know if you should really give it away. 
I, I don't know if you should really give that all away. I mean, I, I don't think it's prudent. I think it's prudent. And, and I guess my question to you, will there ever come a point when you finally look at my life and go, maybe he's on to something? Because I'm not making half a million this year. Like, like is there ever... I'm just curious, like, what do you know, what, what do I need to make and give away before you finally go, maybe there is something about this God he's talking about. And maybe he really is content without money. And maybe God really does take care of your future. And maybe what the psalmist said of, yeah, I was young, but now I'm old and I've noticed something. God always takes care of those who just give freely. You see, I'm not that old. I mean, I'm, to some of you, I'm ancient. I'm 41. And to others, you call me a kid, which is really weird. But, uh, <laughs> um, but I'm saying the same thing. You know, I, I know I was young and idealistic and said, ah, God will take care of it. God will take care of it. God will take care of it. But I feel like every year he does. And, and yet some of you, I'll never be able to convince you that the way I'm living is not crazy. Um, the way that Corey and Megan are living is not crazy. And in fact, I believe the way that you are is. For those who question me, I really do. Because you're going to die any second and we'll see who's crazy. And when I stand before God, I promise you, you won't think I'm crazy. And for all of eternity, you won't think that it was crazy. And same is going to be true of Corey and Megan. Same is going to be true of these kids if they continue to live this way. You guys, that's the biblical Christianity, is you bet it all on this life. And then you start seeing God be faithful in this life when he says, look, whatever you sacrifice, I'll give you a hundred times that. In this life and the life to come. And then, you know, guys like the Apostle Paul, he just goes, and, and, and all that stuff, it doesn't really matter. I'm happy. Like, like I'm content with Christ. What's it going to take before you believe a guy like the Apostle Paul really is, like Christ is enough? And, and he's okay. He can be in a prison cell and be fine. You can have nothing and be fine. And you can be rich and be fine. You just don't need the stuff. You just let it go and you live this way. And it's the safest way to live because you don't know if you're going to be here tomorrow. And I, I last thoughts I want to give to you uh, before the summer starts is I, I, I really encourage you to read the Bible with an open mind. Voltaire once said, and I heard this quote when I was in high school, I believe, and, and heard it again recently. He says, God created man in his own image, and now man is returning the favor. And what he meant by that is, yeah, God made us in his image. And then what we want to do is we want to recreate God the way we want him to be. Let me create God. I want a God who is okay with me being filthy rich and spending it on myself and giving 10% to him. I want that type of God, so I'm going to say that's the way Jesus is. I, I want a God that's actually okay with me sleeping with my girlfriend because we're in love. And I think God, I'm going to, I'm going to say God's okay with that because I'm okay with that. And God must be like me. I want a God that says it's okay, you know, for me to make this choice. After all, it's my choice. It's my body. I, I want God to be okay with this. And so I'm going to make this type of Jesus. 
Now, I've always heard that that phrase used in the context of people that are just way out there. But this week I was speaking to this guy, this author, and he was telling me he was just he was using it in the context of the American church and saying, you know, we in the American church have created this middle class Jesus. We've created a middle class Jesus who says that it's okay to make your nuclear family your idol and and where it's actually a good thing for you to put your family up there in the pedestal and it's about you and your kids and 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 then you know i gotta take care of them first and and they're they're the most important thing and then god comes second everything else and he goes you'd never find that in the bible but why is it that we say oh you know what if you love your wife and you love your kids and you're a great christian because that's what we because we want to love our kids we want to idolize them, so we created Jesus who idolized his kids and marriage and everything else, rather than taking it in perspective of the way Christ really taught us. When he told people, look, if you're going to follow me, you've got to be willing to hate your father, mother, wife, kids. If you want to follow me, he, he says, you know, who's my mother? Who are my brothers? It's you who hear the word of God and obey it. There's a new family here. Where's the nuclear family? Now, absolutely, the Bible says we are to provide for them. If we don't provide for them, we're worse than unbeliever. That we love our, we love our uh, wives like, like Christ loved the church. I'm not saying that we don't do those things. I'm just saying we've made that everything because that's what we want it to be. That's what we want Jesus to be. We want Jesus to be uh, a Jesus that says, you know what, it's good to save, you know, and, and stock away for the future and make sure you're fine years from now, rather than the Jesus who was radical. See, when I read Jesus of Scripture, it wasn't a middle-class Jesus. It was a crazy man who said, look, I don't know where I'm going to eat tomorrow. I don't know where I'm going to sleep tonight. You still want to follow me? And I don't know how we beautify that and pretty that up. But it was a Jesus who says, you know, quit storing things up for yourself here on earth where moth and rust can destroy. Put it up in heaven. It's, it's going to be fine. He goes, in fact, don't even worry about what you're going to eat tomorrow. I'll take care of that. See the birds of the air? They're just flying around. They're not saving. They're, 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 if you really, I mean, if you want to just find, you know, a Jesus that, that lets you live a certain type of life, you'll find it. We can recreate Jesus however we want. But really, just read this book sometime. Read through one of the Gospels and what's the natural conclusion of the type of life that, that Christ wants you to live. And that's what I'm saying about the Apostle Paul here in Philippians 4.13. We can take a verse like Philippians 4.13 and just apply it to whatever, to suddenly we're using that to say that God wants me to be rich. And I'm going, man, it seems like he's saying the opposite there. That Philippians 4.13 is to explain that I am rich in Christ. I don't really need anything. Like the money thing just doesn't matter. But some of you will be so defensive over this. Like, no, 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 it's okay to, it's okay to have this. It's okay to do whatever you want. I, I think you're crazy. Because I think this life is a lot shorter than you realize. And I don't think that it's Corey and Megan that are crazy. And I don't think it's these kids that are living this way that are crazy. And I personally don't believe I'm crazy. I don't believe I'm crazy enough. I, I think I, I still am holding on to too much here on this earth. And that we should be living these insane lives for Jesus Christ because we're so sure of the future. I understand I'm not talking about making yourself out to be a martyr or whatever else. I am saying that Jesus really is enough. And in the future, we're really going to see that oh, anything we gave to the Lord was so worth it. And so I really encourage you, this summer while I'm gone, 
Read this book for yourself. Don't let your own desires interpret. Because here, here, no, this is really the last thing. Um, there are things about God that I don't like. There are things about God, there are things about Jesus that Francis Chan as a human being does not like. I do not like some of his teachings. I prefer he taught some other things. But I'm not going to change him and neglect those sayings and create my own Jesus that didn't say those things and didn't really live that way so that I can be happier and say Jesus must be like this. No, I'm going to try to tweak me in conforming into this image of Jesus Christ even when it's painful, even when it's not really what I want to do. I want you to understand that. There are so many verses in this book that I don't really want to obey. And there are so many attributes of the way Christ lived that are very difficult for me. Now, as I followed, I found that, wow... It actually is more blessed to give than to receive. And as you obey them, you realize, okay, now it's starting to make sense. Now I get why Jesus said that. So in the spirit and in, in the, at the core of my being, I know what he says is true. And it's all good. And when he and I disagree, I assume he's right. I think it's a smart way to go. And uh, a lot of you, when you two disagree, you just say, oh, he's got to change to be the way I am. I go, oh, that's weird. I think that's crazy. I just go, you know, even the things I disagree on, I'm trying to conform myself to who Jesus Christ is and try to live that way. And I would re- encourage you to consider, have you made and created for yourself a middle or even upper class Jesus um, because it suits you better? Because in the end, you're going to find out that Jesus never existed. He's the same Jesus as he was back here that says, you know, I'm not worried about tomorrow. Seeking the kingdom first. I I hope that you follow the Holy Spirit this summer. Wherever he leads you. Even if it doesn't make sense to other people. It's like Corey said in that video. We should be living lives that demand an explanation. And I think I've tried too hard to try to convince you. that I'm not crazy. Um, Rather than just accepting the fact that most of the people on this earth are going to think I'm crazy, and that's okay. And I think they all are. And then at the end, we'll find out who was right. And uh, I'm just saying, so far, so good. Um, God's worked out for me. And uh, I I tell you, we're going to have a baptism, you know, if you want to get baptized, if there's anyone that wants to get baptized. But I want you to understand, being baptized doesn't mean you add Jesus to your life and fit him into your middle-class lifestyle. Getting baptized means I follow Jesus no matter where he leads me, no matter what he asks me to do and where he asks me to live, what he asks me to give. He's that wonderful. I'm going to die to myself and follow him completely. And if that's your desire because you believe in this God who sent his son to die on the cross for you and you believe he rose from the grave and you believe that even in the parts where you don't like, you're willing to submit and you want his spirit to come into you, to give you the self-control and the power to submit. If that's your desire, then I invite you to come up here and get baptized. Maybe you just need some prayer this morning because I'm willing to bet that there are a lot of people in this room who are not content. You haven't learned. 
what Paul was talking about. You haven't found that Christ is enough, and maybe you just need some prayer over that, and that's your desire. There'll be people up here. But the rest of us, uh, let's spend some time worshiping God.